Well, good morning, everyone. I, you know, one of the things I wanted to share uh, with you before we jump into the second half of chapter one in James is uh, that I, I'm amazed as I look back, I learned a lot of different life lessons as a, as a child, which we all do, right? But one of the life lessons that I learned is this, that, that if you really want to learn something, you actually have to do it. I mean, you know, if you want to learn to throw a ball, you, you have to throw a ball. And I'm watching all these Olympic athletes do their thing, their snowboarding, skiing, skating, whatever it is. In order to learn that sport or that skill, they had to just do it, and they did it a lot. And, and that's how they, they learned. And I think that that's true in life in lots of cases. Like if we really want to learn something, the reality is that we, we have to do it to learn it. And so the one one lesson where, when I learned that was uh, my mother signed us up me up for uh, swim lessons, and I did not want to go as a little boy. Uh, I remember it was early summer, and so it was freezing cold, and uh, you know of course that's when they do the lessons, right? And it's morning, and I think the water temperature is like 33. I wouldn't vouch for that, but it it certainly felt like it when I touched it. And I remember going in. Uh, and because my mom took me, and uh, we're in there to to learn, and, and the lifeguard was very nice, and we're in a group, and she's explaining what we're about to do, and then we're practicing actually this this swimming stroke that we're going to do, and I I got this, uh, well I got this, and you know, we're just doing it on the side of the pool. Well, then it was time to jump in. <laughs> And it's like, there was no way I was getting in the water. And so I made a beeline to my mother who was on the other side of a chain link fence. And I was like climbing up the fence. I was like this on the fence. And uh, my mom had to kind of talk me down. And then the, the lifeguard came over and, you know, I, I finally went with her and I jumped in the pool. And sure enough, I didn't really know how to do the, the stroke, but in time, because I was in the water, because I jumped in, I learned how to swim. And, and I think that's really the simple message of James in this latter part of this chapter. He, he begins this whole section in verse 18 by saying, he chose us, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that is this new life, our salvation. He chose to give us new life. We heard the, this word and responded to this gospel that he might be a, that we might be kind of first fruits of all he created. So faith comes from hearing. But then he goes on and he says, but really to live the life of faith that, that God wants us to live and the way that he wants us to live, we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And he, and he lays out for us this sort of pathway, if you will, from going from a hearer to a doer. It's, it's really this, a pathway from new life to a changed life. Because if we're going to actually do the word, it will change us. And not only change us, but it will change the people around us. It will bless a broken world. I'm convinced of that. As we become doers of the word. And the reality is, James, I think, is saying to us is this, that, that, he, that God didn't give us the Bible just to inform our brain, but to transform our lives. So I want you to be not just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word, to jump in. Now here's the other little lesson that I learned as a kid, you know, when I was swimming. That yes, in order to learn something, I actually need to do it, but... 
The reality, what keeps me from actually doing it, oftentimes, is my own fear. My own fear. And at some level, I had to trust this lifeguard, or I had to trust my mom's best intentions. And I ended up doing and jumping in. So let's jump in. I want to kind of lay out this process, if you will, of becoming a doer of the Word that James is explaining to us in in this latter half of chapter 1. He begins counterintuitively. He begins by saying this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now it's interesting. He said, really, he's saying this. He's like, if you want to be a doer of the Word, you you first need to listen. What is God saying? What is God saying? Or how do we be listeners, not just proclaimers? Now, we live in a world, I think, where we're all sort of out there trying to be heard. And we want to be heard. And we lift up this right to express ourselves. Think about it just for a moment. I could post something right now whatever it is on my kind of opinion about anything, I could post it on Facebook, I could do it on Twitter, I could make a video of myself, I could upload it to a half dozen different sites, and everybody in the world could have access to my opinion. And James says this, now hold on. You want to be a doer of the Word? I want you to stop. I want you to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, I don't know fully the context in which James was saying this, but you think about this just for a minute. James is the leader of a small band of, of Jewish Christians, people who decided that Jesus was Messiah. They're watching their friends and their neighbors and even experiencing themselves the loss of a livelihood, a loss of a home, a lot of being kicked out of synagogue. They're being persecuted. And my guess is they were frustrated with the context and the situation and the circumstances that they found themselves in. And they were shouting. And they were, they were defending themselves, if you will. And James says, hold on. Maybe being quick to speak is not bringing the results that you really want. You want to be a doer of the Word? I want you to learn how to listen. It seems so much like our own culture in so many ways. People are shouting at us, wanting to express their opinion. And it's so easy to do. In fact, my friend Rob Lone in a blog post wrote this. He said, A central feature of our culture is that we are being relentlessly talked at, rarely listened to. Consequently, he says, we ache and hunger to be heard. And James is encouraging us. Everyone should be quick to listen. Then he goes on to say this, Rob, in his blog post, listening is fundamentally about being present and attentive to another. It is a powerful experience to be listened to well. When we recall the experience of a friend's listening presence, we recognize the deep gift it was to us. We can also recall when we have not been heard or listened to well. This can be very painful, shutting our spirit down and leaving us feeling more discouraged and unable to move forward. 
if we are to move from new life into the life that God wants us to live, to be doers of the word, James says, I want you to be quiet. Be a listener. Pay attention to the other. In fact, if you were to take that a step further, sort of relationally, you think about our relationship with God, just for a moment. How quick aren't we, at least I know I am, just to kind of shout out these prayers or think these thoughts, oh God, would you take care of this and this and this and this. And maybe he just says, stop. I want you to listen. I've got something to say. I've got something to give you. I want you to pay attention. If we're to be doers of the Word, maybe the first thing is we need to hear what God is saying to us. Now, as my wife often reminds me, just hearing the words is not really listening necessarily, right? I can hear her words, but I maybe haven't heard her or listened to her. Which is why I think James goes on in verse 21, he says this, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Humbly accept. In other words, receive the Word. So listen, pay attention. What is God saying? What's going on? Pay attention. But then receive the Word. What does it mean to receive the Word? Well, he uses this idea of being this Word being planted in you. You know, I live in Grundy County. And between here and Grundy County, there is some amazing... Soil. Some of the best in the world, right? Now, all of us know that any, any good farmer would not take very precious seed and just kind of scatter it around and, you know, and hope for the best. Hope it all turns out good. No. There's a whole process. I mean, there's, there's taking the time to till the soil. There's like replenishing it with with uh, fertilizer or whatever it needs. And then there's this sort of process of planting it. And in that context, then, the seed germinates and takes hold and takes root. And something happens. And it grows up and into this beautiful harvest. If you're thinking about that sort of metaphor about the Word of God in us, you know, it's so easy just to read words on a page when we open up our, the Scriptures. But James says this, you want to be a doer of the Word, first you need to listen. What is God saying? But then you need to receive it. Receive it. You know, I was uh, sitting in chapel as a student, uh, as a college student, at Northwestern, and, and I remember this chapel speaker. Uh, for whatever reason, he kind of grabbed hold of my heart, and, and I, I remember his talk. He was a lawyer. And he'd come to talk a little bit about his journey, and it really was a journey about how, how he received the Word of God and that, that something was planted in him, and it changed him. And he was talking about how he got out of law school, went to go practice law. He just loved practicing law. He was really good at it. In fact, his favorite thing to do was to take people into court. And he won lots of lawsuits. <laughs> he became quite wealthy. He was really good at it. 
And then he said, I was sitting in a circle with a group of guys and we were studying Scripture together. He said, I had been a Christian most of my life and I'd never read 1 Corinthians 6. And here we were reading 1 Corinthians 6. And you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 6? Paul's saying to the church, to fellow believers, he said, you should not take other believers into court and have a, a judge solve your problems. And he's going, What? What am I supposed to do with that? And so, you know, he, he read it again. And again. In fact, he said, I went to the original Greek. And it still said, Paul, I don't, Paul says, I don't want you to sue other, other believers. I want you to settle your differences outside of court to demonstrate something. And so he received this word. See, to receive the Word is to acknowledge what it says. To wrestle with its meaning and to allow it to impact our emotions or correct our thinking and clarify our perspective. To humbly accept the Word planted in you. So something was germinated in him. And you know what happened? He changed his whole practice. He became the guy that everybody knew was the guy who could settle conflict, who would provide mediation or resolution. And some of his best clients were, were there other Christians. And he said, hey, you know what? Did you read? Have you read this? I want to help you solve your problems. And he, and he did this amazing shift. He received the Word of God to receive it. I can remember in my own journey, as a young couple, my wife and I were in a Bible study. This is in, in New Jersey. I was in grad school, and my wife was teaching at a small private Christian school. That uh, you know, And here we were talking about stewardship in this, in this Bible study, and the concept of tithing came up. Now, I grew up in church, so I kind of knew what tithing was. That's like dropping a few bucks in the offering basket and giving it to the church, Right? No, it's actually a, a full-blown Old Testament word and concept of actually giving 10% of your income as first fruits to the Lord. I'm like, what? What does that mean for us? We, we've got no money. I mean, my wife is teaching at this private Christian school, and, uh, you know, I'm in school, and what do we do with that? I had to wrestle with that. And as a group, we had to wrestle with that. The amazing thing is, in faith, even in spite of my fear, Giselle and I decided to jump in and trust this Word of God planted in me. James goes on to say it this way. He said, don't merely listen to the Word, so deceive yourself. Do what it says. To receive it, then, is to go and act upon it. Do what it says. In fact, anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know what? I have a love-hate relationship with a mirror. Sometimes I don't like what I see. 
keep getting this white stuff. Or I've got hair growing in place I, I don't really want it to grow. Or whatever it is, you know, you see something and somehow the Word of God is like that. It's like a moral mirror. And sometimes we see what we don't want to see. But to receive it and then to do it is to act in faith and trust that God's way is better. To do the Word. What does it mean to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength? What does it mean to do that? What does it mean to love your neighbor? To do that. To act on it. What does it mean to go make disciples? Or what does it mean to care for the least of these, my brothers? In Matthew 25. What does it mean? Am I willing to receive it and then to do something? Here's what... James says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, in other words, acts on it, onto that, and that prompting, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. See, to do it is to be blessed, is the pathway to blessing. To do it is the pathway of transformation. This turning from an old way of life to God's new way of life. And in the process, it not only changes us, but I think it blesses a broken world. So what does it mean to do the Word of God? Well, James says it this way. Here's some characteristics, he says, of those who are doers of the Word. In verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. So doers of the Word somehow learn to control their tongue. In fact, he talks about that again later in the book. Being a listener first. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. But then he goes on to say this, religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What does that look like? You know, I have a a family, friends of ours. They live in Michigan. And they have three children. And their youngest is Ben, and he's a a Down syndrome uh, kid. He's born with Downs. And in the context of their family, Ben really became the center of, of life for them in so many ways, which maybe you understand that if you've been through that uh, or seen that in other families, caring for a special needs child. Uh, ben is a nonverbal, and yet he was the life of the par- party. I mean, he just had a great sense of humor. And um, just fun to be around in, in many ways. But it was a challenge. But my friends read this actual verse. This verse. And they were trying to receive that. What does that mean for us? Now, just just pause for a second. Think about who James was writing to when he said this. 
people that were losing their home, losing their livelihood, getting kicked out of synagogue, they were suffering immensely. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to get outside of yourself. I know you're suffering, but I still want you to enter into the suffering of others. That's what it means to be a doer of the Word. Are you willing to enter into the suffering of others? Widows and orphans. Are you going to care for them? And so my family, this the friends of ours, this family, they decided, you know what? God has equipped us to be able to get outside of ourselves and open up our home to someone else. And so they adopted another son who had special needs. About two years ago, Ben died. And they adopted another son. Why? Because they had received this and felt like God was, had equipped them to do this. They were being doers of the Word. What does it look like to be a doer of the Word? Well, just this the last couple of weeks, I read about a woman. Her name is Rachel Den Hollander. It's quite a last name. Maybe you've heard about her, or at least you probably know the context in which uh, she finds herself. But she was the first to allege publicly that Dr. Larry Nasser was a child molester. He was a physician associated with USA Gymnastics. The judge in the case, Rosemary Aquilina, told her, quote, You started the tidal wave. You are the bravest person I have ever had in my courtroom. After 155 other survivors had said their piece, Den Hollander had the last eloquent word based on her observation that Nasser had brought a Bible into the courtroom. This is what she said. If you've read the Bible you carry, you know the definition of sacrificial love portrayed is of God himself loving so sacrificially that he gave up everything to pay a penalty for the sin he did not commit. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God. Wow. Think about that. Here is a victim of this man who is extending the good news of the Gospel. She is one who may be I don't know, taken a long time, but, but she is one who took seriously Jesus' words to even love the enemy. He calls us to love our enemies. That is a doer of the Word. How can we do the Word together? Let me just suggest a few next steps, okay? The first thing is, I think we need to read the Bible. Engage the Bible. Read it. What is God saying? 
In fact, sort of go back to that agricultural image, if you were a metaphor, not only read it, but how are you preparing to receive it? Are you just reading words on a page? Are you taking the time to absorb it? To say, what does this have for me? How will this change my life today? What is the nugget of truth that I need to take away from here? What needs to take root in me? Some questions might be, what promises will I trust? What correction or encouragement or comfort do I need to receive? What do I need to do with God's promptings or guidance? And then there's this question on the slide at the top that I will often in my moments with the Lord in the morning I'll try to remember to ask this question of myself. So how will I be different today because of what I've read? I think the world is longing to see that there is a God. And the way they see it is by you and I acting on what we know God is calling us to do. It's a powerful witness. Will we be not just hearers of the Word, but doers? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank You for um, speaking to us, wanting to be known, and yet very patient with us. Lord, I would pray that as we come today, help us to become more and more uh, not just hearers of Your Word, but people who will act in faith and trust and believe that what You have to say to us is what's best. Lord, thank You for loving us. Thank You for showing us mercy. Now help us to step into this new life of adventure and faith. I pray that in Jesus' name.